speaking is not one of my favorite things to do. I I'd rather sit in the back and, and listen. Um, but uh, here we are. So, and I have no idea what I'm going to say because you know whatever's going to come out is what I'm is, is going to come out. Um, and I can tell you from the start, the only takeaway. I mean, I'll tell you the important stuff up front, so that the rest of the stuff is just filler. Um, I think the the main thing I could say tonight is just don't leave. Everything else I say is my story and fluff and this and that, but I think the only thing that I, of importance that I have to say is just don't leave no matter what. Whether you're abstinent and you're at goal weight or your face is in the trough and you're binging and you can't stop, just don't leave. That's the only thing I think is, is of importance because that's what's, that's what's kept me going. Um, I came into this program back in 1985 on the heels of... Uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, which I had started just before this. Um, and my path in both these programs is very, very different. Very different. The food substance has been a much more difficult one for me to, to deal with. Um, so just to put some numbers out there, get those out of the way. So I came in in 1985 and um, I just celebrated two weeks ago, one year of abstinence. So do the math. It's it hasn't been it hasn't been a straight path, <laughs> um, but the important thing is that I was in these rooms to get that year of abstinence. I came into these rooms with a seventy pound needing to lose sixty five seventy pounds, which I had done, and I was abstinent and and kept that weight off for about ten years, somewhere ten nine and a half ten years, something like that. And then somewhere along the line, I just drifted away. Why? I don't know, but I did. I drifted away. And about five years later, I came back to these rooms. And now I came back to these rooms as a hundred pounder. I came back in, I was over 300 pounds. Um, I had to write a new story. So, and what happened was I got a call from a fellow. And um, most of the people that know me knew that don't bring up Overeaters Anonymous because Greg will bite your head off. He wants nothing to do with this program. Um, and I get a call from a fellow and uh, he says, uh, hey, Greg, how about we go to dinner and a meeting tomorrow night? Now, my response to him was, sure, why not? Why I said it that night, I don't know. If he'd called me two nights earlier, I would have bit his head off. Called me the next night, I made a bit of sweat. But that, for some reason that night, I said, sure. So the next night was a Wednesday. We went to the we went to dinner. We went to the 100 Pounders meeting in um, in uh, Reseda, in the, in the Los Angeles area. I'm from Los Angeles. Not a native, but I'm here now. Um, so uh, anyway, we went to the 100 Pounders meeting. And um, it was tough. It was tough going back because... The last time I'd been to a meeting, um, you know, I was abstinent and I was at a goal weight. And now I was bigger than I ever was. I was I, I was over 300 pounds and um, I was filled with a lot of shame, a lot of shame. And I went to that meeting and I saw a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a long time and everyone just kind of welcomed me. And I made a commitment that I was just going to keep coming to the meetings no matter what, because it took me a while to get an abstinence. But I got an abstinence. I lost the weight. I lost 145 pounds and again, maintained it, you know, and, and all this time, you know, working the steps and doing the program and going to meetings, doing the whole thing. But once again, somewhere along the lines, 
And I, and I, I don't know what it was. I, can't, I wish I could put my finger on it and tell you what it was. That, but it's somewhere along the line, it was, whether it was complacency, um, I don't know. But I just started to drift away. I heard uh, a few months ago, I heard a speaker talk about prelapse, which is interesting because it's what, it's what leads up to the relapse. It's when you start going from, eh, yeah, I go to five meetings a week, now I'm going to three meetings a week, then it's two meetings a week, and I go from calling my sponsor on a daily basis to maybe five times a week. Uh, maybe I cut it back to two times a week. Maybe I stop doing this and stop doing that. And all of a sudden, you turn around, your meals are getting bigger, and you're putting weight on, and you're looking, and you're wondering, am I really abstinent? Um, and that's what happened one more time. Big difference here, though, was this last time, I had made a commitment that I wasn't going to stop going to meetings. No matter what, I was going to show up to the meetings. I wasn't going to leave. And um, I proceeded to go for somewhere in about four, four and a half years. I proceeded to go to meetings on a regular basis and and binge. I'd go to meetings and I would... I would um, leave the meeting and and binge and go and and get up and do the same thing another day another day another day this went on for about four and a half years i don't even know i lost count but i just kept showing up and i would take commitments to make sure i would show up i would take setup commitments that was my favorite i would take setup commitments because i would have to, i would have the key and i have to show up to the meeting because i opened the doors i set the thing up and if i didn't show up there'd be a problem and there was one meeting in particular that I had set up commitment for about five years, four and a half, five years, because I refused to give it up. I refused to give the key up. So every time we'd have elections, you know, people would would you know say, well, we'll do set up and there'd be other people that helping me, but they weren't getting the key. I held on to that key. It was like my lifeline. I held on to that key and I kept showing up and setting up the meetings that, for, for that meeting. It was, it was a Saturday morning meeting at Burbank. Um, at the 7.30 and it just kept me in the rooms. So, but in the meantime, I was binging and putting on weight and and um, and in my head I say, eh, I put on a few pounds, I put on a few pounds. Well, you know, the few pounds gets higher and higher and higher and now I'm creeping up and, but I can't stop. I can't put more than two, three days together. And I was like going to meetings and, and with all the shame of, of of um, not being able to stop. And um, it was um, it was tough. It was tough to do. It's easy to go to meetings when you know you're abstinent and everything is good and you're at goal weight. But when you go into meetings and you can't stop eating and, and um, you know, it's, it's tough to do. And I just refused to stop. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why I refused to stop. Um, the gentleman that called me back in 2005 when, whoops, when I um, uh, hadn't been, when I had left, I came back to program and I started going to meetings and I finally got an abstinence. Six weeks later, his name was Carl. Um, I was at the same Saturday morning meeting this was back in 2000, it was in like January or February of 2006. Um, I was at that meeting. I get home from the meeting, get a phone call. Callwood had gone out for a walk and died, had a heart attack and died. And I, you know, it, I, it was 
I really felt like he was there for me. He brought me back into the program. And I just felt this commitment that I was not going to stop. I owed it to him. that I was not going to stop no matter what. So for the last four and a half years, I was coming back to meetings and I just, I kept showing up. And then it was a Saturday morning. I was at that meeting and it was pitch time. And I never like to pitch. I don't like doing what I'm doing right now, but I'm sitting there and in my head, I, I want to get up and pitch. And my head is going back and forth, pitch, don't pitch, pitch, don't pitch, just going back and forth. And I get this kick on the chair and I turn around and, and uh, this gentleman that I know for many years in program just looked at me and said, get up and pitch. It was like he could hear the battle going on in my head. My hand shot up, I get picked on, I get up and I pitch and I talked about the shame and I talked about the humiliation and, and how bad I felt and how I couldn't stop and how badly I wanted to get abstinent again. I sat down, that was February 15th of last year and I've been abstinent ever since that day. It, why it happened, I don't know. I don't know the whys, I don't understand how this thing really, really works. But the way I look at it is like this, I have no idea how my truck works, but I do know if I put gas in it and I keep up the maintenance and I get in, I turn the key, it starts up and I get to go where I have to go. I have no idea how it works, but I still use it. Well, it's kind of the same thing with this program. I don't understand why and how this whole thing works, but I do know that if I do what the program tells me to do and I work these steps and I, I admit my powerlessness and I turn my will and my life over to a care of, of God. And if I, if I look at my defects and I, and, I, and I do the things that I need to do in this program and I do it on a regular basis, I'm abstinent. It works. Why and how? I don't know. But I don't, for today, I don't analyze it. And I got to tell you, I, I honestly believe that if I had stopped coming to the meetings, I would not be abstinent today. We wouldn't be talking today. Um, I, if, if, if I had stopped coming, I wouldn't have been in the place when, when it was time for the miracle to happen. That's really, I truly believe that. So I started this abstinence. It was a month before this lovely little pandemic that you might've heard about and this whole lockdown thing. And I'm so grateful. The timing was amazing because I don't think I would have gotten through this last year if I hadn't been abstinent. Um, one of the things is I'm a, I'm a closet eater. I don't eat like I do in private in front of people. When I'm in front of people, I eat like a gentleman. My hat is off to me because I have too much shame to eat the way I eat in front of people. So if I had been binging, and in this lockdown, it'd been a lot more difficult because I would have had to sneak out to get food on a regular basis because I don't eat in front of my family the way I ate um, in, in private. And I and what's interesting was it, people say, I don't know how you be putting on weight. We see what you eat. You don't eat. It's like, I don't know. It's amazing. It must be my metabolism. But in that four, four and a half year period, I put back on well over a hundred pounds of the 145 that I'd lost. And I didn't know it until afterwards when I, because I don't, I don't have a scale. I don't weigh myself, but I was at my doctor's office after I'd started my abstinence. Um, and I had gone back up to about 285 pounds. I was just about 30 pounds shy of, of the, the, um, my top weight. And, and I, I, you know, and I, I'm learning that I shouldn't even call that a top weight. 
that's the top weight that I've achieved so far. Because I do believe that if I go back out there, I have a 400 pounder in me. I have a 500 pounder in me. Yeah, I remember when I first came into program and I came in, I had to lose 65, 70 pounds. And I used to see people come in these rooms that were three, four, 500 pounds. And I used to think, how do they get that big? I, don't you just stop yourself when you start getting that big? You don't. You don't. I learned. I had to learn the hard way that I have a 500 pounder in me if I stop showing up here very easily because there's the mechanism in me to stop isn't there on my own, left to my own devices. A couple of things that I've learned over the years is that I used to think that food, like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, I used to think this was a, the problem. But the food, as it turns out, isn't the problem because if food was the problem, when I stopped eating compulsively, then everything should be fine, problem solved. But the food isn't the problem. The food is, is, the food is more like a solution to the problem. The problem is here. The problem is inside me. The problem is in my mind. It's, it's a disease that's centered in my mind. It's centered in my, 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 my soul. Um, it's, it's, the food is my attempt as, at a solution for my problem, an outside source trying to fix, fill an inside uh, a problem. And so I stopped looking at the food as being the problem. And now it's, it's the problem is in here. And that's where the steps comes in. That's where the program comes in. Because once we put the food down, if we don't have a solution, ultimately we're going to go back to the food or whatever substance that you do. And I'll tell you one of the, the things, how I know this program works. And it really is, a, 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 um, this program, there are miracles that happen constantly. I'm a major food addict. But when it comes to my core, core food, that, that is my crack, sugar. Sugar is the rabbit hole that I go down and there's no coming back. When I broke my abstinence for all these years, I never went back to the sugar, which is amazing. I mean, I cannot believe I never picked up the sugar. And I, I ate so much sugar, I'm surprised I'm not a diabetic. In one sitting, I mean, I won't talk about it here, but if you ever want to hear a, a, a drunk log, I'll, I'll call me up sometime and I'll tell you how much sugar I used to eat in one sitting. It was unbelievable on a regular basis. And I haven't had sugar in so many years, I don't even know. And it's all around my house. My kids eat it. My wife eats it. It's all over the place. It's, it, it's just a non-issue for today. And I say for today because one of the things that I've learned in relapse is that the only thing I have is today. Today is the only day that's important. It's the only day of abstinence that really, really matters. Because the days that have stacked up before are meaningless. If I don't do today what I did for the last year to, to, to be abstinent, if I don't do that today, then I, then I won't have today. And tomorrow isn't here yet, so it doesn't really matter. So for today, sugar is just a non-issue, which is amazing. If you had seen the way I used to eat sugar, you would, you would think there's no way he could ever stop. And, and, and like I say, for today, it's just not an issue. But food, on the other hand, the other foods are still there. The, the other foods are the things that I still need to, to deal with. And I need this program because without this program, I'm going to go back to that solution. So what do I do today? For today, I, I've been one of the things I can say is I've been willing to do things today that I swore I would never do. And I had heard back many, many years ago in program, they used to say, never say never. Well, never is an interesting thing because I swore 
I would never, quote, call in my food. I would never commit my food every day. I think committing my food is the most ridiculous thing. I'm a grown man. Why am I going to commit my food? For this past year, I've committed my food every day to my sponsor, every day. And I have to tell you, there is a freedom in committing my food. I read to my sponsor what in the morning, I read my 10th step from the night before. That's another thing I do. Every, I, I do a 10th step every night. In the morning, when I read it to my sponsor, part of what I do is I commit my food for the day. Once I commit my food for the day, it's it, there's a freedom there because I don't have to deal with it now. I know what I'm gonna have for breakfast. I know what I'm having for lunch. I know what I'm having for dinner, period. Now, if something comes up and I have to make a change, that's fine. I contact him first. I don't just make the change. Um, it just gives me the freedom that I don't have to. Make, I don't have to be making food decisions. I don't have to sit down at lunchtime and say, "What am I going to eat now?" It's already been done. I've committed it. It's a freedom that it's amazing how it works. Um, I eat three times a day. I have three meals a day. I eat nothing between. I don't do snacks because I don't want to have to bring out the food any more than I have to. So three times a day and I don't eat sugar. And that's, that's the only food item that I just don't eat no matter what. Um, and, and he, well, here's the other thing I, I, you know, people tell me, you know, I don't bring up my weight loss. And I, so in this past year, I don't, I don't have a scale. So the last time I got weighed was two months ago, I was at a doctor's office and I had taken off back off about, a, about 85 pounds that I had put back on. So I'm down, at that time, I was down about 115 pounds from uh, my top weight, which we already know is not my top weight because it could go higher. Um, and I'm very happy about that. I mean, it's, it's, but I have to tell you the most important thing, the, 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 my gratitude is more about the thousands of pounds that I've lost between my ears. The, 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 um, the constant thinking of food that isn't there, that's a weight, a burden on my brain that hasn't been there for this last year. So one of the other things that I've been able to do over the course of this last year is I, I go to meetings on a regular basis. Now, it was a month into this abstinence when we were kind of went into this lockdown and all of a sudden we went from face-to-face -face meetings to Zoom meetings. I, for one, have embraced the Zoom meetings. They have saved my life. Um, for example, I go to this meeting in San Francisco on Tuesday nights. So I'm here right now. And I live in Los Angeles. I stumbled across this meeting by chance months and months and months ago. And I just love this meeting. So I've been coming back ever since. Um, you know, I wouldn't have had this opportunity without the pandemic. So I think there's been some silver linings. And I think these Zoom meetings have been a silver lining. Do I miss face-to-face -face meetings? Absolutely. Um, but when I go to these meetings on Zoom, I'm still here in the recovery. I still feel the connection. Um, and I get out of it, you know, you get out of it. What you, what, you know, my expectation is that I'm going to be going and I'm going to hear recovery. I don't have to be physically in the same space to get the recovery from people. Um, so anyway, since it's been easier, I go to a meeting every day. I start my, my day off. I go to a meeting. After the meeting, I call my sponsor. My sponsor, I read him the 10th step that I did the night before. Um, and I commit my food. We do a reading from one of the books. And um, I also do a prayer meditation. That's another thing. Prayer meditation. So there's certain things that I've gotten into, you know, 
for today, I, I choose to call my higher power God for a couple of reasons. One, it's one syllable. It's easier to say um, instead of saying higher power and this and that. So I've also been willing to do things that I swore I would never do. Like I now have a little event that's right over here made in my shop, little God box. I swore I would never have a God box. What a silly idea, a God box. Well, a certain chain of events happened. And I, you know, I've, I've stopped looking at things as coincidences and I start seeing them as I think this is my God speaking to me. And I won't go into it, it's a long story, but I decided to make this little God box. And it's amazing. Now there's no magic. There's no magic involved in any of this. For me, the God box is this. It's a physical representation of my prayer. So when I pray and I, and I want to turn something over to God, I write it down. I put it in my God box and I, I turn it over to God. And typically I don't turn over, God, give me this or give me that. I typically am asking for, I'm asking for the ability to accept however the outcome of the situation is going to be. Let me just accept what's going to happen with X, Y, and Z, whatever the thing is. Ultimately, when you, even when you turn things over, they're going to come back in your head and you're going to, the worry is going to come up again. And that's where the God box comes in. I go right back to, no, you wrote it, you put it in your God box, you gave it to God. It's a reminder. It's a physical representation of the prayer. It's a reminder to me. It's like people used to tie a string around their finger. Well, that's my God box is that string around the finger. It's, it re, it's my reminder that I'm turning the situation, this thing, this event, this person, whatever, over to God. And it works. It's amazing how it works. It really helps me um, to to keep turning over the things that are going to pop back up again. Um, one of the other things is, is meditation. I've had a very difficult time over the years. I always tried different forms of meditation and, and I've never had any success with it. Uh, I was at an AA meeting um, one night about, I don't know, six, seven months ago, whatever it was. And I heard this guy um, talk about of, of what he was doing for his meditation. And I thought, you know what? Let me try that. So basically what I do is I sit down with my guitar. I play the guitar and I sit down with my guitar and I, I, I just kind of pick out a melody, something repetitive. And I then just play this over and over again. And I let my mind go with the melody. And it's, it's for some reason, it works. Now, I, I can't say that, um, you know, I've tried other things. I don't know why this thing works, but I was I was willing it to, to take the suggestion and try it. And it just seems to work. And the other thing is it, it's get, gotten me to meditate on a regular basis than before. I, you know, would meditate for a couple of days and then it would stop for two months. And it was weird because so the other night I uh, <laughs> I. I I cut the top of my finger off. So everything's back. You know, I went to the emergency room. They glued it back on with crazy glue, which is pretty crazy. Um, and my first thought was, you know, I can't play the guitar on meditation. So I was talking to one of my, one of my friends that I, that I jam with. I do these Zoom jams with. And he said, you know, there's this thing called open G tuning, which I'd never heard of. He says, basically, you tune the guitar so that the opening, when you play the guitar open without hitting any, any of the notes, it's a G chord. And there's, you can play a whole bunch of stuff that way with one or two fingers. I went online and I taught myself how to do it. 
lo and behold, my meditation form is still there. I have this. I can now do these things with two fingers until my finger heals and I can go back to playing normally. You know, and it's just, it's the little things like that that I just think like it's amazing that I'm willing to do the, what it takes for today. Um, I, um, time, Greg. Oh, perfect. Um, so I'm just going to wrap up with this. As you can tell, I haven't had a straight shot through this program. Um, it's been all over the place, like probably this, this little pitch went all over the place. But the only thing I can say, and all of this stuff is my opinion, by the way, um, the only thing I can say that I did right since 2005 was I just did not leave. And, and that's the one thing that I encourage everybody to just don't leave. I know we say keep coming back, keep coming back isn't strong enough. Just don't leave. Whether you're abstinent or, or you're, you're binging, I mean, you're binging every day, just don't leave. Show up talk to people, let them know what's going on. Um, because sooner or later, it's going to hit. If you stay in these meetings, you stay in these rooms, you're going to be here when, when the miracle is going to happen. So thank you for um, the opportunity to, to share tonight.